0: Good morning, it's great to be with you uh, you folks at uh, Hamilton Baptist. I haven't been with you for a while and I know it's all virtual at the moment but maybe I'll uh, enjoy being with you in person uh, sometime in the future. That would be great. I was preaching in Airdrie fairly, fairly recently and we had a proper service, we had a live service. It was a lovely feeling being with the people of God again in a familiar Environment. So uh, that's to come and that's to look forward to. Now we're in Psalm 139 this morning, and uh, I'd like to begin by asking you about poetry. I don't know whether you're into poetry or not. Maybe you are, maybe you aren't, maybe you love it, maybe you don't. I know that some poems are difficult to understand, they're so obscure, I just don't get it, but there are some poems that I really do like. They connect with me emotionally and probably because they're written from deep feelings of experience I actually write a few poems myself from time to time and I like just expressing myself in uh, poetry well whether you're not whether you're into poetry or not there is one poetry book that I am sure you are very familiar with at least most of you and hopefully all of you and that is the book of Psalms because it's one of the Bible books written in the form of poems and these were sung by the Jews in their worship. And one of these psalms is the focus of our study this morning. It's a deeply moving psalm written by the author King David who was overwhelmed with a sense of awe as he reflected on the truth that there is nothing unknown to God. And we're going to go through the psalm together in the sermon. The theme of the psalm is that of the omniscience of God, the all knowingness of God. Reading David's psalm reminds me of a, a person standing and gazing at a remarkable display of the northern lights. I've yet to see it and uh, hope one day to do so. It's a wow. Psalm. And it's the wow factor of this psalm I'm going to focus on this morning. In addition to the wow factor is the how factor. Gazing at the northern lights, an observer may shift from saying wow to how, how does it do that? And if a scientist was standing by, then a scientist might go on to explain uh, all about charged particles hurtling through outer space from the sun as solar flares thrust particles towards the earth that interact with the earth's magnetic field it's interesting what you could find on google isn't it similarly there is a, a wow and the how of the psalm and as we take a look at the psalm together we can explore explore a little deeper into what the omniscience of god means for us In Psalm 139, David reflects on what it meant for him to live in the light of the truth that we are fully known by God. The opening verse. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. Seems to be the key verse of this psalm. So let's go through the psalm together. Now firstly, this psalm really states that there is nothing that is unknown to God. Let's take a look at the first six verses. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Now, I don't know how you feel about this. Perhaps it frightens you to realise that God knows everything about you. Or does it comfort you? A lot depends on the condition of our hearts before God. If you've ever read about revival, and I love stories of revival, it makes me feel as though I'm connecting with what the people went through in times of revival. But in times of revival, when God's presence was intensely felt by gathered groups of people, their reaction to this is recorded as one of being overwhelmed with guilt and fear, leading to prayers of confession and cries of repentance and and for mercy from God. Then terror and guilt give way to overwhelming joy and peace and rejoicing As repentant sinners sense that their guilt has been lifted from them by Christ who forgives and who atoned for our sin through the cross. These are two extremes that we may feel when we realise that God knows us comprehensively and intimately. Fear on the one hand and comfort on the other. King David had a vast experience of life. I expect that many of you have had vast experiences of life too. But let's identify with some that David went through. He knew what it was like to be despised by his brothers and looked upon as being just a young upstart. Maybe you've had that kind of experience amongst sibling rivalry. He also knew victory in faith in a battle with a giant. He knew what it was to be pursued by King Saul who sought his life. He experienced the sorrow of the loss of a small child. One of his sons Absalom whom he loved made it his life's ambition to destroy David his father and Absalom was killed in battle. He knew the extremes of moral failure and its consequences. He sensed the guilt. But he also knew the forgiveness and the mercy of God. He learned something of the mystery of God as the one who is greater than we can imagine, whose depths we can never fully discover. And he earned the description a man after God's own heart. In Psalm 139, David pauses to reflect on the truth that the Lord knew of his experiences and knew his heart throughout every experience that he had gone through in life. For us, knowledge of the omniscience of God can be extremely challenging in the hour of temptation, extremely frightening in the hour of failure, but extremely comforting in the hour of need and extremely helpful in the hour of prayer. It all depends on how we stand before God. One of the great benefits of speaking with a trained counsellor, and some of you may have experienced this yourselves, is that a counsellor is able to offer us themselves to listen to us with genuineness and empathy and acceptance. A counsellor will seek to enter into our world. They're there for us. They don't judge us. And they seek to gain insight as they empathise with us. And who better than the Lord himself to be our counsellor. He is the wonderful counsellor. He knows us far better than we even know ourselves. The Lord enables us to better know ourselves as we spend time in his presence. It's pointless trying to hide anything from God. King David was very aware that God knew him completely. God knew all about him even before he was born. He had searched David and he knew him. What else can we learn about the omniscience of God from this psalm other than there is nothing unknown. Um, that There's nothing that, that God does not know. Well, there is also nowhere that is unseen by God. There is nothing that is unknown to God. There is nowhere that is unseen by God. Let's look at the next few verses. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. This truth in these verses is closely related to another attribute of God, God's omnipresence. But staying with the theme of the omniscience of God, this means that there is nowhere that we can hide from God in terms of the knowledge of God. He sees us everywhere. Once again, this can either be scary or reassuring, or it can be both. It's challenging. When we experience temptation it's frightening if we yield to temptation and sin but comforting if we feel we are alone say if we feel we are alone and extremely helpful in the hour of prayer. We are never alone. There is no place that God does not see us. In Psalm 77 We read these words. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea. Your way through the mighty waters. Though your footprints were not seen. We know that that's the theme of a popular poem. But the truth that lies in those few words. Your footprints were not seen. The Lord is always with us. Sometimes it feels as though he's not, but he is present, always. And in the words of a song by Matt Redman, we also can say, as perhaps we sometimes sing, never once did we ever walk alone. There is nothing that the Lord does not see. In fact, it is one of the names of God. One of the names of God is El Roi. The story is found in Genesis chapter sixteen. Abram at this time had no children, and persuaded by Sarai, he took Hagar, an Egyptian slave, who then fell pregnant. But it went pear-shaped. Sarai felt despised by Hagar, and this brought tension between Abram. And Sarai then blamed Abram for the grief that she was experiencing. Abram copped out of it. He just said to Hagar, do what you like. So he mistreated, she, she mistreated uh, Hagar. Sarai mistreated Hagar so much that she fled. Destitute, Hagar feared for her life. But it's then that the angel of the Lord meets with her and prophesies blessing that would come to her through her descendant, her son Ishmael, who was yet to be born. And the angel told her to go back and to submit to her mistress, and she did. And we read in verse 13 how Hagar responded. Verse 13 reads, She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. Now how do you feel about that? I'm sure that there are times when you, as I have done, have felt alone. Perhaps you felt desperately alone at times. Maybe you do at the moment. Maybe the challenges of all these restrictions that we're having to abide by have increased that sense of loneliness. The Lord sees you. The Lord is with you. Your ways are not hidden from him. Those feelings of aloneness are an illusion. There is nowhere in this world that is hidden from God. And there is nowhere you can be That you are not seen by the Lord who knows your heart. King David knew both the challenge and the comfort that comes from this because there were times of moral failure in David's life. God sees everything and David's sins were exposed by Nathan the prophet to whom they had been revealed. Yet there were also times in David's life when he felt um, differently to that. When he felt in distress. When he was going through grief and trouble of his own. and he was able to write in Psalm 23, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. Comfort me. Where else in Scripture do we find references to the omniscience of God? Well this could be a Bible study in itself, but to quote a few verses here, from Job 37 verse 16 we read, Do you know how the clouds hang poised? Those wonders of him who has perfect knowledge? first john chapter 3 verse 20 if our hearts condemn us we know that god is greater than our hearts and he knows everything and hebrews 4 verse 13 nothing in all creation is hidden from god's sight everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account These are just some of the references that we find in scripture that refer to the uh, omniscience of God. Wayne Grudem defines the omniscience of God in these terms. God fully knows himself and all things actual and possible in one simple eternal act. Let me read that again. God fully knows himself and all things actual and possible in one simple and eternal act. So the omniscience of God means that there is nothing unknown to God, and there is nowhere unseen by God, and it also means that there is never a time unknown to God. Never a time unknown to God. God knows the past. A most encouraging verse in the Bible, which I've sometimes used when I've written cards to people, is from Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. It means a lot to me. I hope it means a lot to you. And it reads this way, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. I was reading Nehemiah chapter 5 yesterday which closes with Nehemiah's prayer that reads remember me with favour my God for all I have done for these people. In church sometimes encouragement is in short supply and sometimes we need it, we really do appreciate it when people encourage us and Paul knew this as well when he wrote to I can't remember which of his letters, I think it's Philippians, could be Corinthians where he says, encourage one another daily. Uh, And yeah, we're built up when we receive encouragement from one another, and in church we don't always receive the encouragement that we would like to receive from others, especially when our service for the Lord has been costly. It's times like that that we would benefit from it. And sometimes Christians give up doing what they do in the Lord's service because discouragement has got to them. Nehemiah didn't give up, but he did ask the Lord to remember him. And if ever you feel like that, it's a good time to turn to Hebrews 6 and verse 10 and remember that the Lord will not forget the love you have shown him as you have helped his people And continue to help them. The Lord does not forget, and when He comes, His reward is with Him. Now, some of you might be asking another question here Does not God forget my sin? Because if you know your Bible well, you might know from Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12. Who's quoting, uh, the writer to the Hebrews is quoting from Jeremiah 31, which reads, For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. What does this mean? Does this mean that God forgets? That somehow God erases something from his memory? So that if we were to mention it to him, God would say, Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. No, it doesn't actually mean that. God is omniscient. What it does mean is that God chooses not to remember our sin against us. And he can do that because of Christ, because Jesus died upon the cross for our sin. He took the punishment that we deserved, the righteous one dying for us who were unrighteous in order to bring us back to God. God remembers the cross. God the Father remembers the cross of his son Jesus and the faith that we have put in him, asking Jesus to be our saviour who has atoned for our sin. So he does not remember our sins against us. That's different somehow to forgetting as though it were erased from his memory. God is omniscient. He knows all things. And finally, God knows the future. Psalm 139 verse 16 reads, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. I don't know how you feel about the future. Maybe this sermon has frightened you a little bit because... As you think about the future, you know that one day you will give an account of yourself to God. And perhaps you have never asked Jesus to forgive your sins and it leaves you in that place of uncertainty and fear because you know that the Lord knows you and he knows all about you and he knows the wrongdoing. He knows the things that you have done which you ought not to have done and he knows the things you have not done that you ought to have done and you're aware of that and you've never taken that to the cross. God knows your heart and he knows your thoughts right now. But if you put your trust in Jesus Christ right now as your Saviour with a simple prayer, asking forgiveness, asking him to remove your guilt and cleanse you from your sin, he will do it. He promises to forgive our sins. And you need not fear the future you are in Christ. Speaking of the future, Paul writes in Romans 8 verses 38 and verse 39 for Christian believers, for I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. That is in Christ Jesus our Lord so in closing we see in David's psalm that God knows all things and he sees all things past present and future and so finally David prays at the end of the psalm search me God and know my heart Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David didn't want anything in his life to spoil his relationship with God or to disturb the peace he knew in fellowship with the Saviour. How good it is to know that we can enjoy peace With God, as with that of a friend, though by no means as an equal. And it was made possible by the Saviour, Jesus Christ, who paid the price of our sin in His atoning sacrifice for us on the cross. Pray that prayer. Pray that prayer today. Search me, O God. And whatever God reveals to you by his Spirit, of what he knows about you, bring it to the cross so that you also can walk in the light of his presence and in the light of his word. Amen. Our sincere thanks to Nigel for opening up God's word to us this morning. Let's close our service now with a benediction. To him who is able to keep you from falling and to bring you faultless and joyful before his glorious presence, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, might, and authority from all ages past and now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.